We be grinding all week just to find us a guest. First round of funding, it's time to invest. Pardon me if you all leave unimpressed, but pardon me if you all leave all obsessed. See, you can hold me accountable to following my dreams and working like an animal. I'm building something tangible and everything, anything you can have it. I'm just doing this for me, but I hope it reaches all other, other places right now. I'm just, I don't know, Mercury's in retrograde. I always blame it on that, but it's been a tough couple months and this project is really helping me um, have a creative outlet and be kind of like excited about what I'm doing. But all in all, it's pretty tough. So I'm really feeling not great. And it's really good to have this outlet and to be talking to people and to kind of like see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, that's very exciting for me. So on this episode of Imposter Interrupted, I'm interviewing Jess Marchand, who works in marketing, but as we'll see in a future episode, maybe she's made a ton of changes in her life since we recorded this episode only a few weeks ago. Um, she's made her Instagram, which we discussed private, and she's made some big, big moves in her career that uh, maybe we'll talk about another time. I don't really want to spoil it for you guys, but she really decided to... Um, follow her passion. So that's really exciting for her and I'm very proud of her. Jess is somebody I've known about for a long time. We have tons of mutual friends and I've always really admired her because she seems like she has everything. She has like a really, really vibrant social life. She's always at music festivals, always at parties, always out, but then always up at like 6.30 a.m. at a spin class, like super engaged in everything she does. Um, Super good friend. She's got a ton and ton of friends and they really, really value her and she's always seeming to go above and beyond for them so I was really happy to get a chance to know her better and to really like develop a friendship with her so I'm super lucky that this podcast gave me that opportunity and she's really interesting she talks about some kind of like devastating stuff that happened to her at work um and I think you guys will really enjoy this thanks bye so hi Jessica thank you so much for doing this with me I really appreciate it thanks for having me so Basically, I just want to start by asking you a little bit about like how you see your own journey, like the story that you tell about yourself to other people and to yourself. Um, well, I would have to say uh, when I finished school, I didn't, I, well, I studied English literature and it's sort of one of those degrees where you could take it in a myriad of different places, but um, not necessarily one place. If you want to continue in that and studying literature, you kind of have to do a master's and you have to do a PhD to work in that wasn't particularly interesting to me um, and so I kind of had to figure out what I wanted where I wanted to go from there I know I liked being creative I liked kind of colors and marketing and it, well, I later discovered that my creativity kind of tended well to the world of marketing um, and I happened to get really lucky there was a job at the place I was working which was an insurance company for students and they had a job available that was supposed to be editing based so my degree worked really well but it ended up being a marketing job in the long run they needed me to help them run campaigns because someone happened to quit and i quickly discovered that i excelled really well at it i was very organized um, i had the mind for it uh, and, and yeah so from there i just have been five years in the marketing world i went from uh, I went from the student insurance company to a local startup called Flight Hub, and now I work for Aeroplan as a senior marketer on their travel marketing team, and I have partners like Marriott, and who else do I have? I just changed the roles, because when I went to Aeroplan, I was in their lifecycle marketing team, and now I'm on their travel marketing team. 
I have Marriott and a few other partners and I take care of like their travel journey um, and so on. But besides that, I, uh, I, I would have to say that what comes first for me above anything else, including career, is, is fitness. And I spend maybe, I don't know, 30% of my week in a gym. Yeah, B-Cycle. B-Cycle is one of the three gyms I'm a membership at. Oh, wow, really? How many, what's your, what does your workout routine look like? Currently, it's, it's cardio-based because I give myself a challenge. I give myself a three-month challenge to try and drop um, in fat percentage. And so currently, I'm nine to 13 spin classes a week. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, I was, I kind of like, I'll get really bored if I'm just doing high intensity or if I'm doing um, boot camp classes or weightlifting. If I do it too much for too long, I get bored easily. So myself and my best friend are always designing programs for, for me specifically that are always new and are properly measured and as helpful as possible. So this is the one I'm currently doing was a 90 day spin challenge, which just finished at the end of May. And so you're doubling up during that time every day? Almost every day, yeah. Okay, so what does that look like in terms of like showering, redoing your makeup, <laughs> <laughs> like looking looking nice and not having like moldy clothes in your car? Yeah, I'm basically it's actually a large gym bag. <laughs> um, sorry, uh, speaking of that, if I do cough, I apologize because I was, I got bronchitis in February and then did this challenge oh, and gave no. myself asthmatic bronchitis. So sometimes there is such thing as too much working out. <laughs> so I have an asthma inhaler now that I take twice a day. Worth it. I, yeah, oh, I seem to think so. My family and friends seem to think it's a little much. Um, so yeah, no, how do I keep it up? I mean, it's a really large gym bag and I go, I, I go to, I try to find gyms that have towel service so I don't have moldy towels and very large pockets to separate the dirty gym clothes from the second set of clean gym clothes. Um, but it's all for me, it's about when I go to bed and when I wake up. So I'm doing a 7 a.m. spin class and I'll work at 9. So I'll have an hour to get ready before I start work. If I come back on lunch, which is really rare, then I have 15 minutes in between class and work to shower and put makeup on. And then it's just a priority. It's like, okay, maybe don't wash your hair. Um, maybe put face cream on and a little bit of concealer and some mascara and then head back to your for your afternoon. Because after full, work, I'll just do it at home. Not after. a full face. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I don't know you very well, but I know we have a lot of the same friends and I see that you have like, another reason I have to do this, you do seem to do everything. You have like a very, <laughs> you have your regular job, which you excel. You have your Instagram, which you manage and is like amazing. You have a boyfriend. You have, you have like a very robust social life. Yeah. And... You go to the gym twice a day, and you sleep, I imagine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do, I do, but I sleep between 11 and 6. And 6, night. and that's it. With exception of weekends. Weekends, I'll, I'll change up a bit, but it's always 11, I'm asleep, and at 6, I'm, I'm awake. But it wasn't always like that. I was never a morning person. It's just kind of one of those things that, no, I, I tell people this all the time, no one's asking me to hang out at 7 a.m. on a Tuesday. So that's the only time <laughs> that I'm... <laughs> that I have for a workout or that I have to definitely dedicate. So my mornings are a must. My mornings have to be in yeah. a gym. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I sleep at 11 and up at, up at 6 to work out. Wow. Yeah. And does that, when you like um, embrace fitness, that's sort of like new for you in the past like two, three years? Three. three. Exactly. Um, do, you, do you like lose friends? Do your social life like change a little bit from that? About, well, 
It's weird. So around five years ago, I noticed that I, because I, I, I'm kind of a serial monogamist. I've always been in monogamous long-term relationships. And about five years ago, I realized I had been in so many, one after the other, that I, my, I started losing friends in general. And so I kind of made a late New Year's resolution in February one year to say yes whenever someone would ask me to hang out because I'm not the best at reaching out, but I, but I can say yes. So I would always try to make people feel important that way. And so for a couple years following that year's resolution, I was saying yes all the time and my, I like cast a wide net of friends. And then slowly over the last few years when fitness became really important to me, I was able and I, I felt a lot healthier, not just body wise, but mind wise. And I was able to figure out what types of people I meshed well with, um, what types of personalities worked really well with mine. And I was able to kind of cut away the weeds and rein in the net a little bit mm -hmm. to find a core group of people that um, are very aligned with my belief system and so I didn't lose friends I think my relationships strengthened with people who are like-minded who who work out with me who go to the gym with me in the mornings or who if I instead of going to sit on a terrace and have ice cream which is amazing but they'll come work out with me and then we'll go for a walk or you know like we'll those are our activities so my fitness life has kind of also become my social life yeah great that's really good um, I really admire that I, I always I always try to like be fit. This year, this month, I didn't get an Opus card, so I would bike to work every day. Mm -hmm. How's it going? Sorry, it's going. <laughs> <laughs> My body's not used to it yet, but we'll get there. Um, so, were you in, when you decided to cast a wide net? Had you had a breakup? Was that a catalyst for that, or you were still in your relationship and you were just like annoyed? I was still in my relationship, and I went to a friend from high school's birthday. I just happened to go, and it was a bunch of people that had been my quote-unquote best friends for you know the last 10 years but it, it I felt like an alien to them I just felt like I they didn't know me I didn't know them and I was really awkward and I felt like how is this possible how is it that I've allowed myself to become so far separated from these people I've known for so long and I was still dating someone but it was he was more of a hermit and a really like lovely guy but he didn't like to go out or he didn't he wasn't overly social and so I went to the birthday party and then I was like oh, you know what I'm just gonna do it for me if he doesn't want to go out like, I'm not gonna force him and I'll just start being more social but because of that it was inevitably the beginning of the end of that relationship because I had made a decision to become a totally different person than he was and so slowly after I think it took me two years for us to break up um, and we're on great terms because just we ended up becoming two different people. Um, and but it was that I, I would associate that night as the beginning of the end of my relationship when I decided to focus on friends and fitness. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so the other thing I keep mentioning is that your Instagram, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you mentioned like that you really like colors, and that was like part of what you were thinking of when you started in marketing. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about how you, because you have like. A fair amount of followers and a good just like super curated and beautiful how did, yes. how did that start it it started because I uh, the the ex that I just mentioned is a really great photographer and he taught me a lot about how to frame a picture uh, how to frame an, an, an image or how to take a nice photograph and he, he really taught me a lot he was more into landscape photography which is why there's not a lot of people in my Instagram uh, and I love Instagram and its ability to kind of like frame out a personality in like nine squares almost. And I think that's really sweet and really lovely. And I enjoyed it at first. And before the algorithm changed, I loved it because it was just natural. I didn't have to try 
hard. I didn't have to feel like I had to be fake or I didn't have to put up an image because even if I didn't like it, you know, I would think so. I, it was as authentic as it could be. And a couple years ago, they changed the algorithm so that, you know, it was used to be very um, in a timeline base. So if mm-hmm. someone posted a picture nine minutes ago, it fit into the rest in a timeline format. And now it's based on what it thinks you want to see and what it thinks you don't want to see. And then it became a lot less fun for me because I was having to make efforts or try and find followers and that wasn't what I was about and I'm not the type to want to show off or to come across as inauthentic so I I still post photos on it regularly and I do it just for the creativity of it all and for the fun of it but I have stopped taking partnerships or I've stopped kind of taking on um taking on anything that makes me feel like I'm doing it for someone other than myself and so it's, I love it for how creative it is, but I kind of stopped a lot lately. And I have an opportunity now to, to do a giveaway for an Oceaga ticket, which is really cool. But then it kind of goes against what I've been heading towards this last year. So I, I've, it's been a lot on my mind, actually. Yeah, your authentic, your authentic self is saying not really. Yeah, it's sort of just saying, like, I don't need, I have a wonderful career. I have... I make a good salary and I don't need this to survive and so why I don't I wouldn't need to give away a ticket to a music festival because my livelihood doesn't depend on it and so it's sort of like I'll just call up a friend and be like hey do you want this ticket now, instead <laughs> of give it away for maybe a thousand followers I don't know it's not that much in first for the average person but for someone like me it's oh my god so many followers but I, don't, I just don't I don't know if it's worth it anymore I think I'm just going to stick to it as being like a personal portfolio. Good. Right. Well, it's a beautiful portfolio. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, like, I know that you, your Instagram is a lot on travel and you've been, ended up kind of like working in travel marketing since Flight Hub. Yeah. Um, is that because travel is a personal passion or did it just happen like that? It kind of just happened like that, uh, to be honest with you. I never had the money to travel until I started my career. So a lot of people got to travel 18, 19, 20, you know, they worked their part-time job and saved up money to go do a backpacking. And I didn't go on my first trip until two, two, three years ago. Wow. Yeah, and I just never had the money for it ever. It was, I was always kind of paying off school or school debts or school loans and everything and, or um, paying on rent because I moved out at a really young age. So, well, really, relatively young age. I was think I was 20 or 21 when your family lives close by. Yeah, close by. It's a bit young. I was 17. No, you no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. My parents like had another baby. My same parents married when I was 16, and then I was like, "This is awkward." Mm-hmm. So I moved like a block away into the apartment, so I could still <laughs> eat there and stuff. But I didn't actually have to live there. That's a good choice. I think that's a good choice. Like from Hankston to Royal. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you're pretty very close. Um, so you're a serial monogamist. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about your support system, like how that is now? Um, because you like opened your arms to friends, and then you're like it sort of shifted a little bit. And like, what does it look like now? My support system now is pretty much uh, a few people. My boyfriend uh, and my best friend are my two main. They're both, well, my boyfriend Malcolm and my best friend Patrick. Um, he, they're both really great and they, and they kind of work in two parts. So I kind of have like the, um, 
the love and the affection and the home base with Malcolm and then I have the emotional support with Patrick because my boyfriend is not an overly emotional person. He can't handle emotion very well. And so he's more than happy to just say, okay, go talk to Pat about that. Because I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> so I have the two of them. And coincidentally, Pat is um, the one who builds, helps me build fitness programs. And really, he's the one person that I would have to say probably, no matter what I say, he listens 100%. Anything I need, any advice I need, he'll give it his full thought. He'll call me on his way to work if I need something. And he's just like an incredible support system on the outside of my relationships. I kind of have those two. And then there's my dad, and he's pretty great. Good. Yeah. Um, so besides your parents, who has had like the biggest impact on your life and like your self-assuredness and having some confidence in your decisions? Like who's really inspired that in you? Um, my, my best friend, which is, uh, I've known him for three years now. I met him at my last job. He was a director and I was just a regular coordinator. And we kind of got closer slowly and I, I, I'm kind of a fitness bully. So, and he, he was always really active, but when I, ca I called him out at work and I was like, oh, hey, you think you're so fit? Like we're all doing a boot camp class tomorrow morning. Like, I'll pick you up. And he's like, no, that's okay. I'm like, it's fine. I live in NDG, you live in LaSalle. You're on the way, I'll pick you up. How's 6.30? And then from there, it like kind of started where we would train twice a week. We would train three times a week. We would train four. And then five times a week together, every morning I'd pick him up and we'd go to the gym and he would either help me or I'd help him depending on the type of workout we were doing. And kind of then from there, obviously we have like car rides and, and where you kind of just talk about life. And because we worked at the same place, if I was having work struggles, he would help me figure out how to make an empowered decision. He would help me figure out when I was making an emotional decision versus a well thought out decision. He's an incredibly... Um, He's articulate and he's also very, he puts a lot of thought behind his actions and his words and his career. And so he was the perfect person to help me build myself up. Because obviously we would work out together, so he'd give me strength of my actual body. He would help me even when I was being really emotional and how to figure out how to find my way through it. So he gave me strength of mind and then anytime I needed to vent, he was always there for me. So. I have to say, please help me build the Jess I am today. That's really good. Can you say, like, off the top of your head, one um, kind of like quick test? How do you know you're making an emotional decision versus like an empowered decision? Mm -hmm. um, a good example was switching to this job that I have now. So, I when I left him to like when I left him. That was the hardest decision I'd ever had to make. And it was, at first, it was really emotional because I was in a negative place. I didn't like my, my, my job anymore. I didn't like the environment of the office. And I was about to take a job. It was like the first thing that came my way. And I didn't analyze it well enough. And he was like, I know you're unhappy. Like, why are you unhappy? And why are you taking this job? Is it this job you want? And so he just, I learned to sort of figure out if it's too quick, why, why am I trying to make such a quick decision, why am I not giving it my full thought. Um, and so I just sort of sit there and the minute something is like a snap decision, I'm like, no, I'm angry about something. Yeah. Give it some thought, sit down. So if I, if, I, if I even just spend a half hour thinking it through, then I know I've given it some time. But if it's like, no, I'm quitting. I'm like, <laughs> no, don't quit. Like, give it some thought. Yeah, it's a bad decision. A little bit. Um, so... Like, obviously you've attained a lot of fitness goals in the past three years. Like, what is one big goal that you actually, like, failed to accomplish? 
eating healthy. Oh yeah, the other side of the coin. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) really, really, really not good at eating healthy, no matter how hard I've tried. Well, that's why you double up, I guess. Yeah, basically, (laughs) honestly, it's my body. My body loves carbs, and I love carbs, and but yeah. So eating healthy is something that I've failed at repeatedly. Um, Do you? Oh yeah, saving up for a down payment. I failed at doing that too. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I always thought, I was like, oh, you know, I'm 28, now I'll, I'll do that. Or, or being a, a marketing manager by 28, like five years into my career, making the switch from a coordinator role to a marketing manager role. Um, haven't done that either. What's your level now? I'm a senior, senior coordinator, but I took a jump back. So I was a brand manager and then I took a backwards position for a larger company where I would learn more and have more tools and technologies at my hand. So I'm learning more than I ever have. But um, I kind of took a title. I went back in the title, ahead in salary, but back in title. Okay. So it was sort of a compromise. So were your goals like, was the tw- it was the 28 that you were looking f- towards or the five years into the career? It was five years into the career. Okay. For a marketing manager, uh, eating healthy was three years and I just hit three years on May 11th and still not eating super healthy. Oh well, super healthy is like, you have a joie de vivre. Yes. There's no, eating healthy is... That's eating like, I train to eat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eating super healthy I think is like overkill, like it's really pleasant. Eating is like the spice of life, you need to, yeah. you need to eat, it's yeah. fun, it's enjoyable. It says like good things about a person when they like to eat, I think. I think so too, but there's just, there are some times where I'll binge and I'm sitting at home feeling like feeling absolutely terrible about myself because I went, I went and ordered Domino's pizza and then I had some haagen in my kitchen and then somehow an hour later I'm still hungry so I'll just take out the chips and it's like in an hour and a half I've consumed six days worth of calories and I'm staring at Netflix and I'm like what is my life? My boyfriend's eating along with me happily because he just needs to be happy and I'm like stop it. And he came out of the womb with abs so he doesn't have to worry. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really hard to eat well with a boyfriend who like lives, I don't know about you, I live with my boyfriend and he is like 250 pounds, <laughs> like he eats a lot. Yeah. And I eat a lot, I can keep up with him and it's like embarrassing, I wish I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sometimes wish that he was a little bit more aligned um, fitness wise and nutrition wise because it's a lot easier to eat healthy. If your partner is making a salad for dinner, it's really easy because I don't have to think about what I'm making for dinner, but if he's like, oh, I wanna order pizza, I'm not gonna be like, let's order a salad. Like, I hate salad. Yeah, you so would. It's like, I just need, I need a little bit more. So we're working on it though. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Um, what about drinking? Like, has your have, has your social like drinking life had to change from your healthy lifestyle, or have you been able to accommodate it? I was never a big drinker. Um, not necessarily by choice. I, well, when I was really young, I made a bet with my cousin. I was seven, I think. And I made a bet with my older cousin who drank a lot. And I was like, you're an alcoholic. And you're a really annoying seven-year-old <laughs> that no one likes. Uh, you're an alcoholic. I bet you $50. I'm not going to drink until I'm an adult. And he's like, oh, yeah? Like, I'll bet you 50 bucks that you won't get drunk till prom. And when you're seven, $50 is a lot of money. So, <laughs> so but, and my whole family forced me to keep it up, and so I surprisingly didn't get drunk until prom. I won the stupid $50, because I'm a really stubborn, prideful person. 
And, um, and so because of that, I never really drank a lot in high school. And then it, I didn't drink much following that. I don't stay, like, I don't um, stay away from alcohol. I love drinking. It just, I don't drink to get drunk, but I do have, there are at least two nights a week I'm having a glass of wine and maybe one night a month where I'm going out really, really drinking and, like, having fun with friends. Yeah, okay, that's good. Good balance. Um, so those are the goals you've failed to achieve, but what are the, what, like, what's the biggest goal you've achieved that you're the most proud of, like, a specific measurable a smart goal <laughs> smart goal uh i am most proud of my weight loss i weighed in at 195 pounds three years ago and i'm sitting i just for the first time ever entered the 140s um last week and i haven't seen the 140s since i was 14 years old so 14 years ago um so i'm very proud of that it, it i did it slowly over time and there have been maybe there was a year period where I didn't really I didn't go up I didn't go down I was still training regularly but I wasn't overdoing it and so I just maintained Maintain. my weight in the last three months I did the, the spinning challenge of three months and I think I lost 10 pounds which put me into the 140 so I'm very proud of my weight loss and I'm proud that I've done it in a healthy way in a very measured way. I have fat calipers, I pinch my fat in three different spots and I measure out my body fat and I make sure that I'm monitoring how I feel in workouts so that if ever I'm going too hard, if I'm doing you know 10 spins in a week, I need to make sure that I'm not hurting myself or hurting my body so I measure my output and how I feel in that workout. And if all of a sudden I'm dipping and I have low energy in a lot of workouts, then I know I need to take a break, I need to rest, I need to take an afternoon off and just recharge my body so I try to measure it and be as safe about it as possible okay that's crazy <laughs> I, you've always seemed quite small you're tall I'm, I'm five seven okay so not super tall but I, I, I dressed extremely well for my size so I really hit it as well as I possibly could I had very big sweaters or very long shirts I didn't dress in a way that showed that I had put on a lot of weight but I kept it all in the middle okay <laughs> Um, so do you want to talk to me a little bit about the biggest struggle you've had professionally and how it affected your personal life or vice versa, your biggest personal struggle and how it kind of like overflowed into your job, whichever one is true for you? Yeah, I think, I think for most people, you could probably find an example of both. I'm trying to think of one that was the most recent would be at my last job, it was a very... Um, like emotionally vexing place to work and it was uh, very discriminatory and when I first started month one I knew it to be true I, I heard it I saw it you know someone who was part owner of the company was vetting receptionist candidates on what her Facebook profile picture was and you're like a you own the company and you're doing this openly and you're yelling about it and I remember he walked around it was my third week and was sort of yelling out hey, does anyone does everyone want Dan Bilzerian to be our company um not mascot but like uh, spokesperson company spokesperson and, and if you don't know who Dan Bilzerian is he's like big on porn guns uh, He's like on a yacht with like porn stars. With like yeah, porn stars and guns and, and so it's sort of like that's the thing that he's he, 
And, and, and he would walk around desk to desk with a piece of paper. Hi, do, do you think Dan Bilzerian would make a good spokesperson? Hi, do, and like check, check, check. He's like, do you have anything better to do with your time? And these are just like tiny examples. But then eventually, I, like I needed the money and I couldn't leave in the sense that I could leave. But I didn't want to leave. I was too focused on my career getting at least one year out, one year and a half on a, on a series. It didn't look like I jumped too much. I wouldn't be judged in an interview, which is a decision I regret. I wish I would have left sooner. But I stayed for way too long, and it was maybe in the, that last year that I was very just kind of uh, numb to it at that point. And I was helping out women as much as I could at the office. If someone was having trouble negotiating, I was like, here, here are some tips, and you should really say this. And I have a, I'm, I'm good at negotiating, and I'm good at reading people, so I would help out as many people as I could at the office and do what I could and to try and separate the negative from these really great positive people I worked with. But it spilled over into my private life because my boyfriend was just like, how could you work at this place? How could you be here? Like you are clearly unhappy and and I just stayed. And so for the last year, the first year of my relationship and the last year I worked there, I was constantly battling it out with my partner at home, trying to justify what was a really bad work environment and trying to find ways to prove to him that it wasn't all bad. And he's just like, this isn't you, you're better than this. You know, you can do, you can do better, you can be better. And it was, it was pretty tense at home when your partner didn't, doesn't agree with your career path or the one that you thought that you'd been set on. And you're like, no, I'm gonna make it there and they're gonna promote me and it's gonna be great and I'm working so hard and I've done so much here. And he's, that, that, that's really hard when your partner doesn't like where your career is going. So. Yeah, or maybe just like where, like, well, where I am. It hurts him to see you in an environment that hurts That's you, it. I guess. That's it. And so, discriminatory in the way that it was like, a kind of like a sex sexist? It was sexist, um, but also like there were plenty of like, funny racist jokes going around. As, and I say funny in air quotes, like they're not funny at all <laughs> and they're super, super inappropriate. So, and, and you know, management was predominantly male, predominantly white. I, all white almost and you know female managers were fired shortly after they were hired and uh, good employees were let go not just women but like good employees were let go just because they didn't want to have to deal with their they didn't want to have to deal with any problems that may arise with them and it wasn't necessarily just discriminatory they just really weren't good at making people feel safe or welcome in the in the job and and that's a private a private company. It's uh, private, yeah. It's, and um, do you think that was like that's a sign of growing pains of a startup? Like that company culture might change if if it grows and has more stakeholders and has to become a little bit more serious. I think well, one thing that I always said before leaving was they need a board of directors and they'll these these growing pains kind of will level out. But because they're privately funded, because the owner came into a lot of money when he sold his last business, they don't have a need for funding or a board of directors. They're really well self-run. And there are signs of they'll hire, they'll hire a C-level exec and fire them two weeks later because they were too aggressive or they, were too, uh, they wanted to change too much too soon. And, and so those were just, after a while, you can't hire and fire so many VPs and C-level execs and say, hey, we're going to hire a CEO. And one day the best friend is the CEO and the next day he's not the CEO anymore and he's back to being the chief of operations. And the next day he's the CEO again and then he's not. And it's just, 
I, I want to hope for them that it's just growing pains, but it's been going on for so long now that unless the owners truly step aside and let the good employees run, run the company, I don't see them succeeding with a good like with having a succeeding in having a good culture. They may succeed in in terms of being profitable, but I don't know that they'll succeed in in ever having a place that's fun to work. Yeah, they just had a wave of like thirty people leave. After I left, a ton of, we were all the originals who started the company, and I left, and then it kind of started a wave, and 20, 30 people have left since, and it's almost a whole new company since, since I left three, four months ago. Has your friend, your friend left? Not yet. Not yet. I really want him to. <laughs> <laughs> Is he, does he also struggle? I know like a lot of the time women sort of feel this is obviously generalization, but like we feel like the world is on our shoulders and like if you're in that type of environment, you almost feel like responsible or like you're enabling it. Um, did you feel like that? I felt like I was enabling it and I, and I had to leave because of that. Eventually I was like, I can't hide from this anymore. I, I'm not practicing what I preach. Um, and I had to make the decision to leave um, specifically uh, at the so it had to leave because at their Christmas party there was some really unfortunate things that happened to women who were at the party and the CEO was confronted with it when we came back from our Christmas holidays and the person who mm, inappropriately touched women myself included uh, was just given a stern talking to and he's like a senior director who works as the top most He's the, the most senior out of their office in Seattle with women working below him. And they just gave him a certain talking to, oh, he's American and all laws are different and da, da, da. And they consulted their lawyer and didn't have to do anything about it. And that was the breaking point for me personally, where I was like, I can't, I can't stay here anymore. If I stay here through this, then what am I saying? What am I telling the other women in the company? And yourself. What do I stand for <laughs> in myself? What do I stand for? And I just had to say, all right, you know what, screw this place. And, get out as fast as I could. That's really too bad and horrible. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, but men have to do better. Don't touch, <laughs> don't touch people at Christmas parties and don't look up to that yacht gun guy. Yeah. I'm so glad that person's only on the like peripheries of my pop culture. I just, <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh yeah, you're like on a boat. Like, I don't really know. I don't really know you. I'm, I'm glad I'm proud of myself. I consume a lot of garbage and I, Got it. Don't consume that guy. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so my other question was, I'm sure this is going to be something with having good sweat, but when do you feel the most like beautiful and powerful in your day-to-day? -day? I feel the most beautiful and powerful when I do something that's kind of out of the jest box or when I overcome a struggle. And a struggle can be as something as hard as I push myself in a workout and I had the moment where I'm like, I need to stop and I don't stop and I get through that workout and I'm done sweating and I put my makeup on and I'm going to work and I'm like, that was a good struggle, I, I got through that. So it doesn't have to be a, a, a big struggle, but if I worked, if I put in effort, if I overcame a moment where I'm like, I can't do this, then I feel my most, my most powerful, my most beautiful. Um, and the last question, the second to last question is, how do you measure success? And in that measurement, who can you think of? It doesn't have to be someone you know that you like really think has been successful. Mm, I would have to say that 
success was the most successful people I know are always trying, always pushing. Um, they have persistence. They are never settling for the status quo or they're never um, stagnant for long. Not everyone can go, go, go and push, push, push and be busy people every second of every day forever. It's really not sustainable and then you end up in a burnout. But just people who always want to be better and always push themselves to be better. I'd have to say someone like that for me is my boyfriend. You know, we'll be watching, we'll be five minutes into an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I'd be like, I really need to like work on my company and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I feel like I'm, I'm not doing enough right now. And I, these are the years, these are the young years, I have to do more. And I'm like, you're fine, you don't have to do more. Like you're allowed to rest for 22 minutes, watch an episode with me. Okay, we're gonna watch it, but then, but then we're gonna read before bed. We're gonna, we're gonna read our books. And I was like, I'm not gonna read, you can read. I'm just gonna go to sleep. So he's, he's a person who always pushes himself and never doesn't like to be stagnant for very long. And he's already planning his next job and the job after the job. And so I think that's- he, Does he work for someone or is he a freelance? No, he works for someone. He works for sales company, uh, sales company, uh, point of sale company, Lightspeed, uh, a Canadian startup that's doing pretty well. Actually, they're going to go public soon. So he likes working for them, but he's thinking of like, the next job. And the next job then will eventually have him be his own boss. Great. And so if I was going to interview like a senior marketing like woman later on in my project, what are like, what is one or two questions you would be curious for that person to answer? about their personal balance or about their career or something like that. Yeah, I would want to know how they how they deal how they dealt with um, with office culture, negative office culture. I'd want to know how they overcame uh, pettiness in the workplace. Um, any anything that maybe brought them down and how they overcame like a really crappy situation that happened to them that where they felt like they hit rock bottom and how did they persevere and, and, and go up and what are the top X number of things that helped get them to where they are today? What are some like real skills that they had to hone or develop to get there? Great. Yeah. Good questions. Okay, well thank you so much. No problem. Thank we be grinding all week just to find us a guest. First round of funding, it's time to invest. Pardon me if you all leave unimpressed, but pardon me if you all leave all obsessed. So you can hold me accountable to following my dreams and working like an animal. I'm building something tangible and everything anybody.